I'm actually very petite and quite small. And so growing up, my mom would always tell me, you need to be loud and proud and stand up for yourself and don't let people walk all over you. And you might be small, but you're mighty. And so I think for me, fashion's a way to A, stand out, but B, not be overlooked. It's actually the name of our company is because of her. She passed away 10 years ago from breast cancer. In her diary, which I got the balls enough to like actually read, it said, I want to live my life with grit and grace. And I was like, oh my God, like dog ear that page. Like that's a thing, that's a, that's a life, that's a tattoo. Hi all, welcome to Behind the Face podcast with Anna B. Today I'm with my friend, Laura Ritchie. She is a top wedding and event planner here in DC. She is named a style setter by Washingtonian Magazine, and her Instagram is like chock full of unique wedding ideas and inspo. I love following her. Hi, Laura. Hey, girl. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. So, Laura, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am native to Northern Virginia, grew up in McLean. Went to high school here, uh, went to college in Virginia, found an Australian, locked him down. (laughs) Um, We have two boys. Uh, We live in Leesburg, and I've owned and operated Grit and Grace, Inc. for the last 12 years, which is crazy. Um, And I enjoy, you know, bossing people around, but making it fun. And definitely unique curated events are our shtick. Um, it's enjoyable and it's fun, um, but moreover, we get to be a part of our clients' very special moments in their lives, and that's not wasted on us. Amazing. I actually met you on a styled shoot. Yes. And I feel like that was like maybe eight years ago, seven or eight. Yeah. I think one of us or maybe both of us only had one kid by then, so. Yep, yep. And The good old days. Yep. And I was, I was like, I did the makeup, but I was also like the bride yes. for the shoot with my husband. Yeah. And you definitely bossed us around, <laughs> but in the best way. Aww, you made so an impression fun. on me that day. Oh, so, goodness. And my husband, he still remembers you from that shoot. Oh, really? Yes, he definitely does. So, you know, but all good things. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. So tell me, okay, so, you know, you do weddings, you're a wedding and event planner, and you're well known for that, but tell me about college, Laura. Like, what were you studying at that time, and what were your aspirations? Oh, man, college, Laura, was so fun. Remember those days? (laughs) So great. Um, So I actually went to Radford University in southwest Virginia, and I majored in fashion. I thought I wanted to be, like, the next Anna Wintour, that whole idea of, writing about fashion and style and and kind of how that works for the average person um, or portrays who they are as a person was really interesting to me. Um, So that was where I kind of went initially. But then I started doing some behind the scenes dressing of models in fashion shows as kind of extra credit. And that sparked something completely different. It was like, oh, you can be on site with a headset, telling people what to do, making something actually happen from paper to in person. And that's what kind of triggered the idea of maybe I'll be a wedding planner. And we would always watch these shows in college, like a wedding story or a baby story. It was on TLC like 
back in the 1999 oh, yeah, 2001 yeah i mean um and so I told my roommates, I was like, I think I'm going to be a wedding planner. They were like, a what? Why? That's so weird. That was not a common thing as it is today. Um, but it kind of merged all the things that I liked and things that I thought I was actually really good at. I love logistics. I love timelines. I love being like exacting. But I also like designing stuff and making it unique. Um, so, you know, did a big project senior year in college that was, you know, create a business. Um, Fashion school sounds like, oh, it's all sales and, you know, clothes. And no, ours was much more business-based and actually Mm. math. Ugh, yuck. Um, (laughs) And so my business project was I actually created a wedding planning company. Um, And you had to create a business plan. Um, It was the first time that a service was actually done for this project instead of just a shoe store or a handbag store. Um, Needless to say... (laughs) Hair flip. I got an A plus. Of course. Of course. And the rest was kind of history. Um, Someone told me I should go work in hotels um, as a great place to start. And that's what I did. I worked for the Hyatt. I worked at the Westin. Um, Then I jumped and did off-premise catering for four years, which, as per Martha Stewart says, the hardest job in the whole world. Um, And I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it was backbreaking and really stressful, especially in the D.C. market. So... If you're ever thinking about doing anything and learning, that's the way to go. And then kind of merged into picking off my clients that I was doing catering with. And they kept asking me to do extra things. And that kind of gave me the chutzpah to create my own company. And here we are 12 years later and still doing it. I love it. Do you remember the name of the um, like wedding event planning business that you – like in college? Yeah. And what you know, it's it? so funny. I'm like grinning ear to ear right now because I just had like a full-blown flashback. You're going to lose your mind. Uh, the company was called Bliss Wedding Planners. Wow. Which I think there is a Bliss Wedding Planner in the D.C. area, if I'm not mistaken. Or that's obviously a very common name. And you actually had to get a quote-unquote mortgage and like a place. Wow. And, like, with real banking information. And the place is actually just right across the street. No way. Yes. Right. Like, right here, right near your studio. Did you um, have to, like, find out what the rent was? Yes. Actually? Okay. And, wow. like, the square footage. And it was a, it was an incredible project. I mean, it sounds like so real life yeah. type of thing. Um, it was definitely interesting, especially for anyone that was in fashion or in the entrepreneurial spirit. Like, whoa, this is, like, a real life thing. Yeah. Like, you don't realize, like, I want to have a store. Like, what all goes into that? Like, what about dressing the store and the electricity bill and all that stuff? So, yeah, it was actually just supposed to be across the street from here on Old Courthouse Road. And I just happened to know about this building because my dad's offices were there. That's so crazy. Very serendipitous. That it really is. <laughs> that is so crazy. Well, I'm glad that you shared that story. Yeah. And that you had that connection. Well, you're still, like, an incredibly fashionable person. So, and it... You really see that, like, throughout your design style. Like, how do you even come up with the ideas that you do? Because you're known, well, you have that that background in fashion. You are a very fashionable person. You have a fashionable Instagram. Um, and your events are just, like, so creative. Like, how do you even come up with these amazing ideas and, like, make these events so memorable? Oh, thank you. Um, I always – my mom oh, – I'm actually very petite – 
um, and quite small. And so growing up, my mom would always tell me, you need to be loud and proud and kind of stand up for yourself and don't let people walk all over you. And you might be small, but you're mighty. And so I think for Mm. me, fashion's like a way to A, stand out, but B, not be overlooked. Um, And so I think that's kind of really deep down inside where that kind of comes from. I think it's a great way to express yourself um, too, which is obvious in clothes, but when it comes to weddings and events, that's also an amazing way to express who you are and what your family is about and not just a pretty pink wedding or yet another white crystal wedding, but who are you guys as a couple and a family and what are your history and what about you know, where you guys came from and why these patterns are here. And so for me, digging into who my clients are, you know, might even be picking up on the fact, gosh, you guys always wear blue. I'm like, oh, yeah, we do always wear blue. I'm like, maybe we should be incorporating blue somehow and then picking up on a pattern that's all over your parents' house that you grew up with is all part of the story. And so for us, I think that's truly why this is fun, but also how everything can always feel unique because each of our clients are on purpose, unique couples. And selfishly, I don't want to keep doing the same wedding over and over. So digging into somebody and who they are and then bringing that out in the way that it looks and feels and is emoted when people walk in and touch and feel and smell, that's the joy of making sure it feels different and quote unquote fashionable. I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) And scene. Awesome. (laughs) Well, you know what? I love that you mentioned your mom because it sounds like she was a person that really inspired you. For sure. And made a huge impact on your life. Um, I love the fact that she was an encourager and she like helped you. Was she a confident person in herself? Like to give you that advice, I feel like. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think everyone... I think a lot of people, especially women, look up to their moms in some sort of way. And you don't realize it until you get older. So some of those impactful moments that you're like, man, you were so mean to me back then. Or, you know, I was a difficult teenager. You were never here because you were working all the time. And you don't realize, especially until you're a mom yourself, how much you're kind of splitting and dividing all your time and all your things. So, yeah, looking back, I feel like she was super confident and capable and any adversaries or things that came across in our family life growing up, she always got through it on her own um, and just persevered. And she was a boss herself. I mean, she was the HR director for Children's Hospital. She worked wow. for Kaiser for 25 years. I mean, you just, I remember her writing all of these huge, this is before PowerPoint, but like huge posters and like being on the ground, like making these presentations with markers like all weekend long. And it's like, you know, you think about that overworking time and when you're not fully present with your kids, I always thought it was kind of cool. I want to help you color, but you were just doing what you had to do back Mm -hmm. in 1985 because you didn't have PowerPoint, you know? So there's a lot of inspirational pieces. And when you have a parent or someone that you look up to that, just kept pushing and kept doing what they had to do. Um, you know, I think there's that grit. Yeah, there's <laughs> that grit. It's actually the name of our company is because of her. Um, she passed away 10 years ago from breast cancer. And um, in her diary, which I got the balls enough to like actually read um, about a year after she passed away, in the diary, it said, um, I want to live my life with grit and grace. 
And I was like, oh, oh my God, like dog ear that page. Like that's a thing. That's a, that's a life. That's a tattoo. That's a something. Um, of course, I feel like the word grit has become a keyword over the last few years, which is totally fine by me. Um, but man, if that's not every woman, like I need to be graceful, I need to be polite and I need to be perfect, but man, I'm going to like punch you in the face if you mess with me <laughs> that, or move all the ceremony chairs myself, because that's what we have to do. Right. You know, these are all just small, minute things. And I think, you know, over time it became clear that that's what the name of our company should be because that's who we are. We're not just standing in the corner with a headset. I would love to do that. That's not possible. I will set the whole wedding myself. You just have to do it. And I think as an entrepreneur in particular, sometimes you are the one fixing the leak or patching the hole or paying extra to have the best thing for your clientele or your employees. And I think that those are all parts that are really, really important to know that it's not just all shiny on the outside. Yeah, I think that's like the the main inspiration um, for the podcast for me because I think Instagram shows like a picture of what it's like to own a business. And then it, especially because we want to showcase the best parts of our job um, to attract new clients, right? So mm -hmm. we show the best of our work. We show ourselves in our best form. Um, but entrepreneurship rarely like behind the scenes is that. Mm -hmm. And then as the owner of the business, at the end of the day, when things don't go right, you're still <laughs> the one responsible um, for for making sure things like move forward and like you have to take ownership of how things go down. So sometimes that really means that you're like the last person cleaning, the last person resolving an issue, like making things happen. What do you think are the traits of like a really great wedding planner? Like what makes someone successful in your industry? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think being humble and knowing that it's really important that it's not just the shiny, pretty, beautiful things that you're making, but how you treat people behind the scenes and be able to have the relationships to keep coming back more and more and asking for favors when necessary or stretching a vendor relationship to make something happen out of respect, not out of just being the boss or being in charge is really important. We pride ourselves on being a vendor's vendor. I want to be your partner. If that means that I need to run out and go get you more lip gloss because you ran out and the bride's losing her mind, I will do go do that without question. Yeah. You know, or um, there's a lighting issue and we need to figure it out and come up with a plan F or plan Z instead of freaking out. It's about handling things under fire. And I think how those pieces are managed on a day-to-day -day basis from the power's not on in my office for some crazy reason, or our emails are down, or a client's having a budget issue, down to exactly what's happening on the wedding day and being able to handle things with grace mm -hmm. and with grit, but also being humble enough to know that you have to be present and not just think that you're in charge. Everyone's a part of it. It's all one big masterpiece and we all have to work together. So when we reference frienders, which are our friends that are also vendors, we really mean that. If someone called me with an emergency, I would jump and I hope anyone would do the same for me. And that partnership is what makes a wedding planner successful. I love that. And I would say working with you that that's very true. Like I've 
we've done several events and weddings together and I've never seen you lose it. Like I feel like you're always calm and collected, not because everything is perfect, Mm -hmm. but because you need to be in control of the situation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely there has been a wedding or two where I've privately gone in a closet and cried. (laughs) Um, That's not, I mean, we're all not robots, of course. But yeah, I mean, for sure, when someone says, I don't like my hair and makeup and they're losing their minds, being able to talk with you or say like, okay, look, she's very sensitive about this cow lecture that she has in the front of her head. Like, can we just tweak it? And, you know, you and I can can walk back in with newfound confidence and say, okay, no problem. Let's try to fix it. We have plenty of time, even though you and I are looking at each other and the watch, like, holy moly, we got to, like, fix it. But, yeah, I mean, those partnerships is what a wedding planner is successful for. And that's why we're being hired is so these clients are not – randomly just looking on wedding wire the knot which do have great options but not always the best options for that client so those relationships are so important but then handling them with respect is everything it's your life actually like if everyone was just a little bit more respectful and humble i also think there's an element of like not taking things too personally um Weddings are like one of the most stressful events. Like they're most, they're one of the most beautiful events and the most fun events and like emotional, emotionally charged events. But you, you know, because of all of that, you just really can't take things personal when, when like a bride is upset or when someone is upset. You know, they've pictured this day maybe for years or since they were a little girl, and um, you know, one little tiny thing like you know could throw throw them off like emotionally. Um, and it's, it could be a simple fix too. So it's really just not taking those things like too personally. <laughs> for sure. I mean, for them, this is their one day for you and I, or anyone in this industry, it's one of maybe a dozen for that year alone. I kind of think of clients as almost like graduating classes, you know, like they were the class of 2016. <laughs> um, right. and luckily I still get to stay in touch with most of our clients on a daily basis. I just right. spoke to Jenna, whose wedding we did last September, Absolutely. just the other day. Um, so it's well, cause you spend so much time with so them much in, the, time. in the wedding planning process yeah. and you really get to know their family intimately. Very very much so and I think some of those pieces you know for us in particular we're only doing I only personally take on about seven weddings a year which sounds like whoa really it's like my all my time is with imagine planning one wedding as a client I'm planning seven if not more for the following year but being able to give enough time to everybody and focus in on them and provide that service and that attention is what I think makes it more successful not this churn and burn you know, every weekend. That's just not our model, personally. And I'm sure that's a transition you've made over the many years of experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the beginning, we were taking whatever we could get. Someone wanted day of coordination. Sure, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Did I have visions a dozen years from the beginning date that where we would be where we were at? Yeah, I actually never thought that we were capable of that. You Mm. know, it you don't realize what you can do until you really dig in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, year over year kind of says, okay, you know, we can raise our prices a little bit or we're booking too fast. Um, maybe that's an indication that we should raise our prices a little bit and, you know, take less actual events but do more quality. Yeah. And so that kind of became our mantra over the definitely the last maybe six years for sure. 
Um, so no, I mean, there was one year, I think I did 11 weekends in a row. <laughs> um, and my husband actually was the one that was like, hi, yeah, no. So we are not going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is not going to be sustainable. We have a child and you're missing like these weekends with this little boy. And, you know, at the time you're just hungry. And I think that's what's so great about being an entrepreneur. You're hungry. You you have that fire. You're just always saying yes. There's actually huge power in saying no or yes, but our prices are a little bit higher. And it's not just I'm going to charge more because I can. It's actually because I want to take less and give you more of me for that weekend so I don't have to take 11 in a row. Um, and so making some of those decisions, sometimes I'm missing out on a client because they can't afford us, but that's okay. More people will come. And I think that that's a huge key over time, you know, starting out, just say yes, just get all these things on your belt and have the experience. But over time, it's really actually nice to be able to say no or say you're not the right client for us because we spend 12 to 18 months with these people it's a relationship we both want to enjoy yeah I mean that's something you build towards you don't really think about that at the beginning like you Mm -hmm. said and then it's something that you know you've kind of made it to some degree when you can really pick and choose your clients and and what what do you think creates like a great planning experience both for you and your clients yeah I think honesty from day one we're not there to sugarcoat anything I'm your partner in this we always liken our planning to I'm driving the bus but you guys are sitting shotgun Mm -hmm. I want to talk with you the whole time I want you to help me tune the channels I want to hear all your fun stories on this road trip but I'm not gonna let us go off the rails I'm not going to have you take a wrong turn um but being honest and saying hey guys I hear you I see all these things on your Pinterest board super cool you (laughs) cannot afford any of that and here's why (laughs) however let's pivot yeah let's take the elements of what you loved about this incredible design from a million dollar wedding in California to how it works in the mid-Atlantic with our weather and your budget right and make people feel heard but also not afraid to say you can't have that right and I think that respect level of being able to say no to people sometimes actually goes really far especially with parents um and sometimes it's the moms that I'm dealing with that want all these beautiful things for their daughters and helping them manage expectations around that and so starting out honestly with here's your budget and your headcount. this is just on paper forget all the design stuff we haven't even gotten there but just what the money you'd like to spend with the headcount that you really ideally will probably have, this is where it breaks down honestly and realistically for our area is what makes a really important and strong relationship. And it's actually the first thing we do. A lot of people will book us and say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm working with Grit and Grace. What's my escort card wall going to be? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. So your wedding's in 14 months. I have no idea what your escort car wall is going to be, but surely, girl, we will come up with something amazing. But for now, let's talk about that you want all these types of things and you want a videographer and you, you know, want to pay for hair and makeup for your entire bridal party of 17 people. Let's talk about where that money's going and how it all breaks down because we can't all have everything. So that honesty level and saying no – really strengthens our relationships. I think so. I think it builds a lot of trust 
um, because you're not saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I think the also great thing that you do is even though you're saying no to certain things, but you're providing really great alternatives and that's where the value is in working with you. Yeah, for sure. Pray. We always kind of call it a compliment sandwich. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yes, great idea. No, you cannot have it. But yes, what if we also do <laughs> da 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 A compliment sandwich. Um, you need to like trademark that. Yeah, put it on a t-shirt. I mean, we don't want to shoot people down, but sometimes, no, we don't want to use your aunt as the floral designer. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. You know, like, no. No, no auntie. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think these are, again, things you learn over time, and it's okay to add those things to your contract, too. I mean – Contracts are really to protect you as an entrepreneur, but it's also to look out for the client and their expectations. So we actually have in our contract, you cannot, we don't DIY. We don't hire non-professional companies. It's not to say maybe your aunt is actually an incredible floral designer, but her side gig is not giving me any actual like real insurance on the wedding day. And also working with family and friends gets very hairy on your big day. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, we you know. We both had our fair share. Oh, I mean. <laughs> we learned early on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice to just be able to say, like, I can't hire unprofessional people. And it's not to say that they're not talented. They certainly could be. But I think it's okay to say in your contract, you know, add in these lessons learned. It's actually not only to protect you, but also ensure a successful event. Absolutely. You know, our our industry has been rocked by the pandemic. I mean, we've both experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've – our weddings have been postponed, you know, some, at least for us, like canceled. Not that many, but some, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what was the initial, you know, moment like and the, those initial months like? And then what were the steps you took to pivot your business and really survive and even thrive during this whole ordeal? Oh my God, surviving, not thriving is like <laughs> hashtag 2020. Yes, this is um, true. So other than drinking. Um, <laughs> oh, um, and I, you make really beautiful drinks. Thank you. Um, so drinking and cheese was the first initial reaction. Mm-hmm, necessary. <laughs> I mean, just in my face. Um, so actually, we were personally affected almost out the gate. Um, Christy, my business partner's wedding was supposed to be April 10th. Wow. And so that was a really hard pill to swallow. I mean, just on like week three or four. Um, So she has postponed her actual celebration and we're still trying to figure out exactly how she wants that to all figure itself out. But that was a harsh, immediate slap to the face and a very personal level of saying like, wow, one of our own. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure that was probably the most exciting, like, yeah. this was like one of the most exciting weddings you were looking for. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think actually on a personal level, it really made us super sensitive to our clients. Yeah. You could her, really understand. Yeah. Her invitations were already out, yeah. you know, and actually the week before um, everything kind of shut down and schools were closed, I had just sent in out invitations for our May client. Um, so... These were like right out the gate, like logistical pieces Mm -hmm. of how do we rescind invitations? Not even how am I already going to pivot for fall weddings or late summer or headcounts. We hadn't even gotten there. It was like mayhem. Um, And people didn't have answers. People contractually didn't know what to do. So there was a lot of stress and, again, wine, 
and brie Jeez. yeah um oh. so <laughs> so yeah. that was very tricky it's like it's like no this is this can't be happening this can't be happening oh it's it's really happening it's really we're, happening. we're really gonna have to cancel these yeah weddings. i mean so oh, luckily so for us knock on wood no one has canceled okay good um we have had some beautiful weddings this year that just pivoted which right. we congratulate and encourage um, we had quite a few postponed to next year. Mm-hmm. Um, next year is going to be, 2021 is going to be a doozy of a year. Yeah. Um, cause that, does that mean that you're going to have like, du- like double the amount of weddings? Like I mean, the ones you're planning? Yeah. And- in mm-hmm. some cases, April in particular is a little hectic more than normal. Um, but luckily again, I'm not doing 60 weddings in this a year anymore. I mean, thankfully we are able and we're able to do some incredible events this year for our clients that we're open to being able to maneuver around and be open to rules and regulations and safely having an event. And I think week over week, us as an industry have become smarter and know now how to handle things. And I think that is something that feels really good. You know, with our weather here, though, we're heading into fall, and that does make me a little bit more nervous as, you know, we're losing our good weather in yeah. the Virginia area. But I yeah. think overall remaining positive and super strong for our clients and having answers and, again, calling on those vendor relationships to pivot and make changes, um, you know, I think is where our strengths come in. But it wasn't without us also crying and being exhausted and also frustrated and not having all the answers, but keeping that communication open and and being sensitive because we felt it ourselves as brides or as a bride, my business partner, um, that, you know, this, you could just relate like on a very personal level. It wasn't like, well, too bad for you. It's like, oh my gosh, we're just getting, I mean, Hello. Christy's wedding is like your wedding. Basically. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, literally, like I was going to be a part of it. It was a very <laughs> Personal, sensitive yeah. subject. Yeah. So I think, you know, but on the opposite side, you have a business to run. Right. And contractually in our contract, we had actually pre-corona had verbiage in there if clients wanted to move or needed to move and how that works because we've actually dealt with clients in the past that on their own accord moved their wedding twice yeah and so, we've had it happen too so yeah. we were like somewhat prepared already yes to some ex- some degree we were like yeah okay we're gonna do it this way in some ways, like obviously there's the emotional component of everything that happened, but you, you really do have to set like your policies in place and just say like, this is how we're going to decide to move forward, you know? Mm-hmm. And and within that, like still stay flexible, right? Depending on the situation. Of course. I mean, there were some clients where, you know, we said, yep, you're moving and here's, you know, here's five dates in 2020 you can move to safely yeah, outside in a tent following all the rules, da, 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 da. And they said, nope, we still want to move to 2021. And I said, okay, so if you move more than 12 months out, these are all the fees you're going to have to pay to your vendors. Yeah. And so that was their prerogative and their choice. But having, again, going back to your experiences and updating your contract time and time again, saying that was not a good experience with the aunt being the florist or this bride, I mean, this is two or three years ago, moved her wedding two or three times, different venues. I was pl- replanning the wedding. I had already had in my contract that verbiage. If you choose to move, you know, within reason, these are these are the fees and this is what's going on. I mean, so luckily for us, we had that in there as a backup plan. 
But I think being able as an entrepreneur to know that you can change your contract and you should update it when something happens, good or bad, yeah. you need to be updated, not just downloading, you know, here's contract terms and conditions. Right. Sure, that's a great place to start, but you need to talk to a lawyer. You need to have the wording in there that pertains specifically to you and your job and your experience and to protect yourself. Because I need to pay an employee. Right. I need to keep getting paid so I can keep working. Absolutely. So, I mean, there there's just some bare bones pieces this year that really kind of shook us. But I think in the end, I felt actually really confident with what our contract states to protect our intellectual property. With everything that happened this year, I'm sure there were a lot of lessons learned. And because you've been doing this for 12 years, you are very experienced. And like you said, there was things that you kind of were prepared for in your contract. But what are what are the lessons that you learned? Or is there a lesson, like a big lesson you learned from running your business during this pandemic that you'll take um, in your future? Oh, um, that's such a good question. I think we've all still like in a little PTSD vibe right now. I feel like I'd love to do this podcast again in a year (laughs) and and have more. We'd love to have you. Okay, I'll be back. Um, I think in general, the contract verbiage is what really protected us. And I'm so proud of that piece. But I think moreover, having that relationship level with our clientele and, and why our format for our company really works and that relationship and managing expectations from day one about what's realistic um, and what's capable and not just always saying yes actually proved to be really, really helpful during all of this because we were able to have those conversations, no hold bar with clients and saying, if you move your entire wedding this far out, you are losing vendors. They're not available. You have to pay for new vendors. You're losing deposits. Like sometimes my job is not fun. I think a lot of people think, oh, you're a wedding planner. This is going to be so beautiful. And you must like play with flowers all day. You must think you're J-Lo. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely not talking with Matthew McConaughey, although my husband's very cute. (laughs) Um, But I think in general, you know, I have a job that's mostly in front of the computer. Yeah. And a lot on the phone. Yeah. And just like any job, regardless of what you think it is, it's not. And a lot of my job is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and it's not to be taken lightly, and it sounds fancy, and man, I do make it look good on Instagram. (laughs) Yes, you do. But it's real life, and this is real people's days and their money, and I'm managing a lot of emotions as well as bank accounts for people, and um, I think their patience and gratitude with our honesty was something this pandemic only underlined as being important well it sounds like in a weird way like you were kind of prepared maybe emotionally like that was rough but like you know policy wise and contract wise you had set yourself up for a time like this and in many ways I can relate to that but I think that comes with a lot of experience and already going through those tough times yeah so we can't um not address some beauty tips and tricks right because (laughs) you know this is like behind the face and you always look very put together. So is there a beauty or wellness ritual you swear by that makes you feel more beautiful and in tune with yourself? Oh, man. Um, it could be like a daily thing or a monthly thing or just a once in a while thing that you do. 
um, asking my friends like Anna to do my hair and makeup. <laughs> um, oh. Utilizing my professional relationships so I always look <laughs> cute. Um, you know, I think some basic things are always really important. I always, you know, moisturize and I've done a much better job at wearing um, SPF you know, on a daily basis. So I think that that's really important. And you never really understand that in your 20s, especially when you're this Sicilian girl and the tanner, the better. Right. You know, so I think that that's really important. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm always really good about, you know, taking care of myself and kind of trying to eat healthy. And But some of those dumb things where you're thinking, like, drink water. Like, yeah. what? I swear to God, I did not drink water until I was 25 years old. <laughs> Unless I was hungover in college. Like, why would you drink water? Even my kids hate water right now. That's so funny. Like, water sucks. It's boring. But man, water, like, fills you up. And, like, it does make your skin look better. And I I don't know. Maybe that's just, like, growing older. And you're like, what? I will take whatever I can get. But, I mean, just those little basic things. You've heard it here, guys. Drink more water. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sipping water right now. Um, okay. Is there a beauty product that's always in your makeup bag? As specific as possible. Okay. I always have a brush. What kind of brush? Like a little tiny travel brush in my like purse. Like a blush brush? No, no, no. Like a hairbrush. Oh, a hairbrush. Okay. Which is so dumb. But I, my mom, again, I'm talking about my mom so much. Yeah, I love I don't this. know why. Yeah. Okay. So she always had a hairbrush in her bag. And I remember going to the mall with her. Um, which we did often. Hello, fashion. Right. Um, and anytime she would try clothes on in the dressing room, she'd be like, hold on. And she'd like rebrush her hair and put her lipstick back on. And I would be like so annoyed as like a kid. Like, can we go? But now it's like, I mean, of course. What do you mean? I need to like put my lipstick back on and And brush brush my hair. hair. And I'm very sensitive with my hair. I kind of have fine, thin hair. And so brushing it obviously kind of like help fills it in a little bit and like just makes it look better so I always have a travel brush mm-hmm. it's like a weird my mom always had her little brush in her purse is it like the ones that like open Fold and, up yep. yeah okay yep I have those and then I have another little there I found like a mini wet brush I have one of those and, those and I love awesome. it yeah so and I, they uh, fit everywhere they fit everywhere so I have a mini wet brush right now because my clam brush that folds up that you find in like the dollar section that you like unfurl. <laughs> yeah. It has a mirror on the other side. I mean, hello. I know. Double it's duty. So, good. so that for sure is always in my purse. I always have like 45 lip glosses or, and I actually really love the chapstick at my dentist office. That's so weird. It's but so, so cool. weird, but so does Brittany who works for us. And so. Is it branded? No, it says like the doctor's name on oh, it. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, but it's so good. And so last time I went, actually during the pandemic, they didn't have the chapsticks out. And I was like, um, where's the chapstick bowl? Because I like want my fill. Like. They don't want you reaching your hand no, into the. No, they don't. So, <laughs> but I did make my girl Phyllis like go get some from the back. So she gave me like a supply and then I hand them out to Brittany and my husband. They're really good. I don't know. I mean, so I guess those. Well, then you need to give me one next time. I I probably have one in my purse you can have. Oh, my God. It's it's, it's so weird. Um, And then I think the last thing I will say is I um, love Tarte um, concealer. Yes. Which one? The the shape tape? Yeah. Yeah, I use that one. I, it's I, amazing. I my only bags use it really on like, need it. I have really bad bags. Oh, but terrible. they actually have a mini version that you can get at Ulta or I'm sure anywhere, Sephora, whatever. And so I actually keep that in my purse too. I have that one too. 
And I love it. All right. So share one thing that is exciting or motivating you right now. Um, color is always super motivating to me. I would much rather do a wedding full of color and interesting color combinations are really inspiring. Um, one of our dear friends, Dawn, at Something Vintage just created these new ceramic plates. Have you seen her Instagram recently? No. Oh, my God. She did this photo shoot for the plates with um, our other friends at Sweet Root Village. And the Wait, com- what, what's the look? Because It's maybe I have. super colorful. There was oh, like she- this minty green plates and like colorful blue plates. And just we like quirky. I don't want quirky like weird I want quirky like make you turn your head interesting and I thought some of the color combinations that they did in that photo shoot were really inspiring and I have this entire idea of like this you know cherry blood red with these mint green plates that I think would look super fresh and like with a gray linen like I just need a bride to like let me do it. Like, if you're it. out there, call me. Oh, my gosh. 703. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your home because you just built a home oh. and you're decorating it. Yeah, that too. I mean. I'm excited for it. Oh, well, thank you. It's I mean, so interior beautiful. design is always super inspiring. I mean, I love wallpaper. We're in the midst of like a wallpaper bonanza right now. You are not like, you're you're going in with the color. Yeah. Like, you did not play it safe. No. No, and actually that rust, there's this room in our house that's like a all-windowed room that I'll just be drinking martinis in through this, the rest of the COVID, if anyone needs to find me. Um, and we did this really pretty terracotta color, um, and that's a really inspiring color for me right now, too. And as we go into fall, I feel like it'll be even better when the leaves change. So interior design is always a huge inspiration. You know, most of the time when we're working with a client, I'm asking them, where do you shop? How is your house designed you know do you constantly buy things from crate and barrel or are you more of an antiquer you know those are great ways to figure out how to inspire the rest of your wedding Um, we had clients recently who did a lot of blue and white chinoiserie and that's what she loves and everyone for her whole life she's always loved that and so when people walked into her wedding they were like oh my gosh this is totally sally's wedding this looks exactly like her it feels like her those are the compliments I want to hear. And then the referral of my services should show, come shortly after that, but it's because we're listening to the clients. Absolutely. And so those inspiration pieces are always super important. And, you know, in our current house, the new one, there's a lot of arched um, hallways. And yes. so that's been very inspiring. So um, kind of noticing more things that are arched or mirrors that are arched. I found two cabinets from Crate and Barrel that are arched. So I'm really into the arches right now. I love that. And I love, I mean, everything that you've been posting is so inspiring and so beautiful. So where can people connect with you and find you right now? Sure. Um, Again, other than on the couch with a martini, you can also find us on (laughs) Instagram at Grit and Grace Inc. Um, Or you can go to our website, gritandgraceinc.com and inquire in there. And then your new personal Instagram. Oh, I finally did a personal Instagram because, you know, selfies. Right. Important. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes I share my kids. but And we our whole company likes to insert ourselves into our Instagram too. But 
you know, this pile of selfies was doing nothing. I needed to put them somewhere. Well, you're a fashionista, so we needed that. <laughs> My personal Instagram is the Laura Ritchie, and um, I'm there too. Laura, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For this me. interview, you're wonderful. You are. We'll see you again in a year back in the studio. Ah. Oh. Man, but I need my hair and makeup done. Okay, well, we'll see you again shortly. Then. Okay, good. Okay. Behind the Face is created by our lovely host, Anna Buitrago, and me, Julia Melton. Audio and sound mixing by Julia Melton. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at behindtheface underscore podcast and Anna at makeup by Anna B. If you enjoyed this episode, it would really help us if you could subscribe, tell your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.